0: Welcome to Grounded Sound. Welcome to the show. I'm Jen.
1: And I'm Abel, and I'm not holding my microphone this week.
0: That's right. We uh, adjusted.
1: So maybe, <laughs> just maybe, you can hear me. I hope. But I have a stand, and it's totally comfortable.
0: Abel got called out by Ryan Lacoy. <laughs>
1: Ryan McCoy was busting balls, totally... You know, he was completely in the right with that. We love you, Ryan. completely justified. But uh, that's you said bad. something
0: I could never say to Abel. I was, I noticed. Why it. couldn't you
1: say that? You can say whatever, you, Jen. Well, I would. We've listen known each back. other for three or four years now.
0: I would listen back, and I was thinking, I think a- Abel is micro. Like I just thought my body. mic wasn't
1: turned up. I was like, turn them shits up, Steve.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was a fiddling.
1: It was my jitteriness, <laughs> which we solved today with a boom mic. That's completely right in my face
0: <laughs> it is it is it's like you know so we took a week off support. yeah we did take a week tell off. tell
1: us about roswell jen
0: oh man we had a great time in roswell did you get abducted i wish you remember um i blacked out okay honestly i don't yeah. even remember the probing how was the bus The bus was great. My brother, man, my brother was a rock star. He like drove us out there. We did a podcast called Livecast. Um, We did an acoustic show, a live band or a full band show. Everybody at that show was so enthusiastic. They wanted us to hang out afterwards. They were so hospitable.
1: So you had to get in the bus.
0: And then we had to get back on the bus. My brother drove us four hours, slept for three hours, then woke back up and drove us the rest of the way home to make it, that to Oklahoma city by 1130 NMF. in the <laughs> I know at NMF. How was the NMF? Saturday. Did you get rained out? We didn't get rained out. We were at the blue bonnet. So we were inside. Um, but you know, I, I loved actually speaking of Ryan LaCroix, he had a great post about NMF of, you know, it was, it was rainy that day and there was a lot of acts that got canceled, but there was a lot of positives obviously about, yeah. Norman Music Fest. Did you catch
1: any of the shows, or did you just roll in and play and bounce?
0: I caught a fabulous Chase Kirby Did you Kirby catch <laughs> the Chase Kirby set? I did. Yes. I heard that he That's killed. Theater. I posted about it. <laughs> cool. Um, yes, I did. And we are so excited to have Chase in the studio today. Woo. He's here. Hey, guys. It's a good segue into our guest.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Good to see you, Chase. It's good seeing you guys, too. Pick up where I'll ask you earlier because we had to save it for the podcast.
2: How are you, buddy? How I'm are good. things? I'm good. Just busy, Our are busy. things
1: a block south,
2: man? They Keeping are, sweet. Uh, they're good. Rearranging stuff at the store now and good. just getting ready for that like post-Easter, pre-summer, what are we going to do yeah, for decoration. I do that. Mode, which generally is just Not with decoration, somebody throwing me an idea and me figuring out how to build something there you go
0: so, so to preface for our listeners who may not know oh, yeah. um, chase is the perfect guest today we you know uh talk about where local business meets local music and chase really encompasses all of the above um i try <laughs> you, yes yeah he uh, you work on western avenue mm-hmm. at your family candy store yeah
2: 42nd street candy company
0: yes um, it is so wonderful. It's such a great shop. And
1: yep, they're one block south of this really nice little spice shop.
0: That's right. It's true. Right it's by true. the spice shop on Western Avenue, um, <laughs> right where West Fest is going to be. That's August right. 19th. Mm-hmm. Right next mm-hmm. to
1: the stage.
0: That's right. Um, and then also, you are an artistpreneur, Chase. You you know you do music, yeah, all the time. All, like uh, you know, you do yeah. so much. You've had so many yeah, accomplishments, busy. and you continue to. Um, make amusing, amazing music. Well, thank you. And yeah, I appreciate it. Well,
1: you're going to be playing with the Tigers out there in front of the... Yeah, West yeah. West Bo Fest, Jennings right? and the
2: Tigers. Are you, are, you're still are, in this band, right? hmm Yeah, I've been, in, I've been in Bo Jennings and the Tigers now for like five years. Awesome.
3: That.
0: Yeah, almost five years, I think. So. I love Bo. We talk about Bo quite a bit.
2: Are we ever going to get him on the show?
0: Yeah, I need to just call him. Or I mean, know? if we
1: only had his phone number, I'd, I mean, he's really hard to get a hold just of. Just shoot I'm him
2: sure. an Evite. Well, Evite. I mean, <laughs> there you same, go. Same <laughs> with, just show up, Bo.
0: Same with Chase. I'm like, you know, we have all of these amazing artist partners and people that we're friends with that we, I mean, and like, why haven't we had you on the show? But yeah. really, it's like, you know, we, we're we pretty new. We've just been trying to k- kind of keep our head above water with Are we with coming scheduling. up on a year? No way. We just sure started this fall. August. That's still quite a while away. That's three months away. We're in May right now. May, June, July. Yeah. There you okay. go. Time right. flies. start planning the party. Yeah. Right The year party. We will. Excited about it. <laughs> Chase, you're the first person invited. You're VIP. Hey, Chase, do you want to come to the party? It. Let's do it. Bring, Sweet. bring some candy. I <laughs> will. I
2: will. I'll provide some, some, some desserts. <laughs> Tell nice. us a little bit
0: about the shop, though. Um, how long has your, this been in your family and...
2: Um, well, the candy store opened on Valentine's Day, in nineteen seventy nine. Was the original? It was like with the original owner, um, and then there was one owner after that, and then we bought it. Uh, let's see, we just started our eighteenth year of Dang. ownership, so we bought it. Yeah, we bought it when I was fifteen years old, and uh, so we've now completed seventeen years of of cavity. Inducing good times. <laughs> well, <yeah.
0: laughs> oh man, that's, that's awesome. awesome!
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that. I think that we're the city's oldest independently owned candy store. It gotta be. Yeah, I think we are. Yeah, um, I mean, possibly one of the oldest independently owned candy stores in the state too. So.
0: And you get to work with your mom. Yeah. Just like Abel works with yep. his mom.
2: My mom hasn't been around much
1: lately. Actually, I was
0: going to say, I have not seen her your my mom. My mom is
2: around all the time.
1: She.
0: <laughs> I see your mom all the time. I'm sorry, I dude.
1: They I mean, when my her. mom was around the shop all the time, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. It's cool working with your mom, but it's, uh can be tough.
0: I like working with your mom on yeah. the board, of the Western board, and she's really helpful Wait, with mom? West Fest. Not your mom. Chase's oh, mom. Chase's mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's
2: <laughs> like, tell
1: me, mom, isn't showing up to West
2: Fest <laughs> Yeah, because she's, she's on the board for Western Avenue and then she's also on uh, the West Fest stuff and she's been involved with that because I've, I've been involved with that the last two years and then I kind of stepped out this year mm-hmm. I've just mm-hmm. been busy and all that So
0: yeah she's super proactive and mm-hmm. awesome well and then also again I consider you an artistpreneur um, you've been making music for a long time and tell us a little bit about your music journey
2: oh man uh, lots of ups lots of downs um, I've been in I've fronted, like, four kind of main music projects, a band called Chasing Paris, a band called The City Lives, another band called Defining Times, and now Chase Kirby and the Villains, slash just my solo stuff. Um, and so, I mean, I've I've played guitar in a bunch of other bands, um, probably, like, six or seven other bands. I've toured with some other bands. Um, yeah, just kind of all the stuff you know did the whole voice thing and then
3: I don't know just
2: the whole basket of experiences you know I think that's always to me that's just kind of what I chalk it up for like you know I've never been one to put all my eggs in one basket I've just always been one to enjoy and appreciate an experience and try to learn from it So, so yeah it's been it's weird to think like oh I've been playing shows at like venues and bars for over 15 years like that's a strange thought to me yeah
0: well, and everybody always wants to hear the voice scoop, I'm sure, because it really is an honor. I mean, there's so many people who try out and audition and yeah. for you to, you know, be able to be a part of that. Uh, it's just, yeah. I mean, there's millions of people who. audition. Yeah, they, uh,
2: they said that the executive producer said that uh, on season nine, the season I was on, they said that 40,000 people auditioned for that season.
0: Dang. Oh, um,
2: and so. Crazy. Out of that, 96 people made it to the blind auditions, and then from there, 48 people make, make it onto a team. Huh. So honestly, I just spent the majority of my time going like, what the hell am I doing here? This <laughs> is weird. Because <laughs> I had never... I never really considered myself a singer. I've never said like, I love singing, you know? Yep. Singing was just a byproduct of writing songs. Like, yeah. So to me, it was always like somebody had to do it. And <laughs> In my first band, there were two singers, and then I became the main singer, and and then that was just kind of it. And so... I mean, I'd never taken like vocal lessons or any of that. I was in choir for a couple years in high school, and you know, so for me, it was like you have some people that go and like really treat their voice like an instrument, and whereas my vocal warm up for my like executive audition was like coffee and a cigarette, you know. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. That's <laughs> so, so rock and roll, Chase. you know. So it's not, you know, like
2: <laughs> night. I'm sitting out there at like eight eight thirty in the morning, smoking a cigarette, drinking coffee outside of this hotel in Burbank, about to go like play music for CEOs and executives at NBC and Universal Music and I'm just like whatever <laughs> That's the That's
0: best awesome. way to do it though. Definitely
2: <laughs> not the most professional thing ever
0: No but, but it's like no pressure it's, I mean it already has to be kind of crazy It's right? super You're-
2: crazy there were people I remember like for the executive auditions and for blind auditions there were like because there's a lot of teenagers with their momagers you know what sure, I mean
0: yeah.
2: uh, There's a lot of pageant moms there and I remember some of those kids would be, if their audition was at, like, 9 in the morning, they're waking up at 4 or 5 starting vocal Ugh. And in my head, I'm like, man, it's going to be a real long life for you. Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: It's a long day. And they're going to be it's so, so long stressed day. out by
2: the time they get even close. Yeah, and they're, and they're putting all these <laughs> crazy expectations on themselves. And it's like, you know what? All you can do is the best. So just go in there and give it what you can. But there's variables in any situation that are completely out of your control, which is why I'm just sitting there thinking like, well, I'm just going to smoke a cigarette and drink coffee. It's not really anything that I it's can do. kind of what I do every
3: day. You know? So there you go.
2: Right. It's like, so you just have some of these people that, I mean, to me too, like waking up at five and starting your vocal warm ups. it's like, just wake up at seven and start it. It makes no difference. <laughs> yeah, you don't need four hours of vocal prep. If you need four hours of vocal prep, find a new right. Like maybe do some you know, <laughs> momager. Like trade yeah. your momager in for yeah. a new.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, by that time, I would feel like my voice is exhausted. Yeah, you know, right. Sometimes.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'd be tired. Yeah, yeah. Like, I no, no. Sleep is just you can do as valuable as for four more. hours. I mean, yeah. God. Well, and any any time waking waking up at four or five in the morning. To me, it's just insane. Yeah. Like, cause even on, like, let's say you have to catch a flight at 5.30 mm-hmm. in the morning. So you're up at four or you're out of your house by 4.30, you're at the airport and you're gone. And that's only in Oklahoma City because you don't need an hour to check in. I yeah. know.
0: I was going to say, yes, that's.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so only you okay flying CCC. out of Oklahoma City. Yes. But, but let's say you do that. It's like, yeah, but you know what? You get on the plane and you're out. Yeah. Like my Completely first thought in the out. morning is I'm going to go to sleep on this flight mm-hmm. and it's going to be awesome. Mm hmm. You know, these are people like, I'm going to stay up for the whole day. And I'm like, that's a terrible decision. Be
1: like, I'm going to go get some coffee at the airport. Wait, no, get no, on I'm the plane, not, no. go
2: to sleep. I might drink a smoothie <laughs> and then go to sleep.
0: <laughs> so I can't imagine what, like, the letdown would be for some of those kids who, again, are ultra, ultra preparing mm-hmm. and, you know, really intense about it. And then if something doesn't work out, it's like,
2: what's... Oh, well, I can tell you right now, you know, the majority of, of the young kids and, and up into the adults, too, that I met who were the, like, super ultra prepared people, a large majority of them didn't make it, Yeah, Yeah. you know, which probably it's, like, it really is, like, well, what the hell am I doing here? Smoking a cigarette and drinking coffee at 8.30 in the morning, and these people are, like, actual, like, entertainer singers, you know?
0: Mm. Well, but it's. I mean,
2: I mean, I can kill it at
0: karaoke, but yeah. <laughs> Chase, you are. <laughs> Me too. You are. To- you're a top-notch artist, and I, that's what I love about you. Is you are an amazing vocalist, but you also play like a million instruments, and you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. you really. I mean, you are kind of a master at all, you know, and it's it's really cool to see you in different projects, and you in your solo project, but also in your band and mm-hmm. in other bands. I mean, you really um, are very versatile, and you're a very mm. versatile artist, and so. Yeah, I mean, it, it was exciting to see you, you know, get um, a lot of recognition that you have, uh, that is very deserving of. And
2: um, it was definitely, at, I think there for uh, there for a while, I was like, I wonder if people are going to think I'm taking the easy way out by doing this. And then I was like, no. but this isn't an easy route, <laughs> like fairly <not> really easy, <laughs> it's not easy at all.
0: <laughs> no way. I can't. So you were, I mean, you were out in California for weeks and we, I mean, it was a yeah, long journey. The...
2: When I got the phone call that I made it to the executive auditions, and I think it was like three to five hundred people made it to the executive auditions. And when I got that phone call, I left like a couple weeks later, and I was in Burbank for like four or five days in this hotel. And so they do they they have all of these people come in waves, and I, it might have actually been like five hundred to a thousand. It might have been even more people at the executive auditions. I'm surely it was, um, but like I landed. And then a buddy of mine landed like two days later. And then when I left, he had stayed there two days longer than I did, you know? Mm-hmm. So they kind of over the course, and it's crazy cause one of those like kid cooking shows was there. <laughs> so I kept seeing all these moms in the elevator that were just cause the moms had no responsibility. So they were just sloshed. <laughs> nice. and these kids have their hands full of groceries and are going and like back up knife. to their hotel room to cook <laughs> yeah. and the moms are like I'll see you at the pool Diane you know yeah. <laughs> it was amazing and I'm We're sitting there like
0: fourth martini
2: yeah I remember specifically one time getting in the elevator at four in the afternoon and there was a mom in there with two of her kids and one of them was on the show and these ki- those kids are little a-holes too <laughs> they bet. are those kids are jerks yeah. they totally assholes. are just like entitled little shit but you know so I remember specifically it was around four in the afternoon and I could like smell the vodka on this mom's (laughs) breath and she's standing behind me. I'm like the elevator smells like a club. Like we could catch on fire. Right. It smells very flammable. I'm glad this is not smoking. (laughs) God, I hope no electronics spark, but, uh, yeah, so it was, you know, it was crazy. So I was out there for a week, four to five, five days that first time. And then when I made it to blind auditions, I went back And I was actually out there for a month. Mm -hmm. And so.
0: It's a long time to be gone. God, what do you
1: do for a month in Burbank?
2: Well, when you fly back, I was in Studio City. And so you're all sequestered to a hotel and you're not allowed to like post where you are and you have to take geotagging because they're like crazy obsessed, like. Bloggers and just weirdos out there who try to like figure out who's going to be on the next season and then ruin it. And so what happens is you have people who have no idea who you are, and next thing you know, they're like, "Yeah, here's your blood type," and you're like, "Whoa, nice, back (laughs) off."
1: That is crazy. So you just stay in a hotel,
2: like you're sequestered to a hotel. You couldn't even like you can you can leave, but you the rule is you can only walk a mile radius in any direction. So you're like
0: in jail for a month, kind (laughs) of. I mean, a nice, yeah. you know. It's they like give you like an, an ankle bracelet? Yeah.
2: Huh? <laughs> they give you an ankle bracelet? They pretty much do. You have to, like, check in and out. Oh, wow. But you also, like, at the executive auditions, you got to take, like, a 500-question psych evaluation. Really?
1: hmm Huh. Just to make sure you and then are you crazy or aren't
2: crazy exactly yeah. it's just i mean everybody's crazy for wanting to do this, this, is, this anyways yeah. that like question wasn't level on the test of they crazy es- are yeah you? they established it's like are you dangerous to society crazy are you dangerous to yourself crazy yeah. or are you just kind just, of crazy are you in just an
0: artist I mean, right no, yeah. and that's
2: kind of what it was there were a oh. few people though where it's uh, when i got my test results back because i was sitting there thinking like <laughs> Okay, surely I'm about to find a lot out about myself right now. <laughs> We're about to find some shit out. And and I'm sitting there kind of thinking, like, it's going to tell me that in five years I'm going to be, a you know, bipolar or that I'm a paranoid schizo. Well, instead, like, the test came back. And my meeting with my – so you meet with a psychologist when, and they go over your test results with you. And most meetings are 20 minutes and mine was like an hour. And I'm sitting there (laughs) by the time I left, I was like, well, I got my test results back. But at the same time, I still kind of feel nutty. Like, (laughs) this is weird. So um, I remember sitting down with this guy and going over stuff and he shows me my test results. And my results were so low that they were below average. Hmm so Below like average crazy like people well it's exactly <laughs> i was like i was like so i'm like kind of close to sane, yeah. but still crazy <laughs> it's still a little still bit still crazy
3: dipping my toe in the
2: crazy pool but like it was definitely one of those things where you know i remember um he looks he flips you know he opens the opens his folder and he's he pulls this chart out and it's like a line graph of of my crazy and he's like he's got it upside down and I'm sitting here thinking because I'm not noticing that it's upside down. I'm like, God, those numbers are really high. <laughs> I'm a nutcase. Yeah. And then he turns it around to what it actually is and I'm looking at it. I was like, God, I'm actually just dead. Yeah. I don't exist. <laughs> like, I have no, per- I have the personality of a board, you know? And so, you're
0: just flatlining. Yeah. Like- <laughs>
2: and he was like, he was like the only thing here and I had, I peeked into the average human that was my peak was the (laughs) average average. and so i was like okay because like (laughs) dangerous levels are up at like we'll say dangerous levels at like you know 70 to 90 and average is sitting there between like 30 and 60 and i peaked at like 35 and it was on he goes you worry a lot don't you i said yeah, I feel like that's kind of a normal human tendency. And he goes, but you stress out about a lot of things. And I said, yeah, I do. And he looks at me and he goes, I'm just fucking relax, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting like, this is a, prof- this is a PhD chill. doctor that they flew in from be like, Chicago. You got phone in for to this be shit? A part of this. And I look at, him, I was like, is that your professional opinion? And he's like, yeah, That'd I was like, okay, like, dude, I need to be a psychologist. Yeah. I can tell people to chill the fuck out all like, day. Long. I got the wrong, I'm in the wrong like <laughs> work profession here. And so I thought that was really funny. And we, you know, the main thing is like, we talked about my grandpa, and like the candy store and so <laughs> <laughs> when you leave the show when you're like so i did the when i you know i made it past blind auditions um and there's like little bitty interviews all over the place and so you make it past on. Anytime you step off of the stage of performing you hit an interview again right mm-hmm. so when i did the battle round and i wasn't stolen and it's like okay cool so i'm going home great so i leave they do an exit interview they bring Gwen in and like make it look like it's all dramatic it's like whatever you don't even i could i could i could sit down and have a 30 minute conversation with her and she would never be like you were on my team on the voice like she wouldn't even remember i guarantee it (laughs) (laughs) and so she's probably on a boat down there right she's probably in (laughs) oklahoma as we speak but uh
0: she didn't call you? I mean... No, I no. Say, which, I, you, you know, she stood me store? up
2: for dinner at Olive Garden three times. And <laughs> no. uh, so I'm sitting there and and I leave. I do the interview. She comes in. It's all dramatic, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, you have to... The moment that you're no longer on the show, you immediately go meet with another psychologist. <laughs> nice. Really? They are making sure that you are not mayor of crazy town. (laughs) Nice. I'll be like, well, I retired from that position years ago. Thank you very much. But so I'm sitting there and like, I do this exit interview. My parents go in a van and go one place. I go in, I jump in a van. I drive around to another part of Universal's studios there in in Studio City. I walk in and it's this same psychologist that I met with at the executive (laughs) auditions. And he looks at me and he goes, grandpa, candy store, Oklahoma and I said that's me and he was like well how you doing and I was like I'm fine he goes what are you going to do after this and I was like well I've got bills to pay so I imagine on Monday I'll probably go to work and he kind of laughed and I was like I'm being serious man we didn't make hardly any money out here you know and so
0: yeah I'm an adult and yeah like I got got stuff to to do I
2: wasn't one of those minors whose mommy and daddy paid this whole you know foot of this whole bill so um he was like, "So you doing okay?" And I was like,
1: "Yeah, yeah. still I'm worried fine. a little bit like, here and there, but yeah, yeah." A whole. I occasionally worry, but only <laughs> only average. But since you told me to chill the fuck out, I've been taking your advice. I've really, <laughs> you know what?
2: I really have.
1: The I never thought great. about it that
2: <laughs> way. <Yeah. laughs> so it was funny that it was the same dude, and he was like, "All right, man, we'll go ahead and get out of here." And I said, "Cool, thanks." And so I like, you know, you get back in the van, you go back to, you go back to wardrobe, and you take off the clothes that they gave you to wear and you put your own rags back on <laughs> and then, i just was like in my head i was like i want to keep this leather jacket no you know like can i get a parting gift did you guys sell it like to me like on the jacket. cheap cheap like the free cheap mm-hmm. free come on um, just walk out of here with this coat on <laughs> right i wanted it so bad that leather jacket was incredible so i didn't get to steal it but you weren't
0: crazy enough to uh
2: I know. Shot I guess left, if, like, maybe if my test came back and I was, like, really a nutcase, they would have just let me have it because it would have been, like... They didn't want to get shot. <laughs> no, they don't want any, like, personal danger. Yeah. I could have just walked out with this badass leather coat, but... uh The sane people have to give their clothes back. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think that needs to be on a t-shirt. Or
0: <laughs> Those are the best tidbits. Those are the kind of stories I want to hear. About.
2: Yeah, it was really funny when it's, like... And so there I am, like, taking the wardrobe stuff off, and I'm, like... Well, I guess this, this is like the last time I'm ever going to be on Universal's lot. This is really funny. So in my head, though, it wasn't like... It wasn't like that last episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. No? Where it's just sad as shit and, you know, the house is empty and Will Smith's in the living room. And it wasn't like that at all. It was more of like... <laughs> It was more of almost like the scene in Dazed and Confused where it's the last day of school mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Let's get the hell out of here." Great big old old party, party at the moon
1: tower. That was exactly <laughs> what it was.
2: Like in my head. So I when I got back to the hotel, I I do remember specifically being like, "Well, I'm getting a damn drink." Cuz yeah, like I'm, you're not supposed to drink. Really? Yeah. Man. And so and I mean, don't get me wrong, like I was I was 30 years old at the time. Of course I drank, yeah. you know, they're also, they sell liquor in grocery stores. So at the Within hotel, a mile of the hotel, <laughs> right across the street, nice mind you. So I would just walk over. I'd be like, I'm going to get some bread. I'm going to put the whiskey under the bread. I got some sandwich you, fixings. I mean, I, I lived Jim in the bean, dorms. You know. I
1: know how it works.
2: Oh yeah. It, was, it felt so collegiate all of a sudden it was just like, man, I'm like, I'm back at UCO. This is weird. Except I don't have like a roommate that doesn't speak English and the room doesn't look like a prison cell, you know, but.
0: But I'm sure you were probably ready to go after being there, like down on lockdown for a month.
2: Well, that was so the month was only filming for blind auditions. I went back. So they split the blind auditions into two rounds. They did the first two rounds or the, sorry, into five days. They did the first two days pre July 4th. And then I flew back on like July 2nd and then I flew back out. I flew home on July 2nd and flew back to California July 5th, landed. We had the big meeting on the 6th. I performed my blind audition on the 7th, was back at home by the 8th. And then I flew back a week and a half after that, was out there for another two weeks, flew back, and then flew back out in August and was out there for another two and a half weeks. And then came home and that was it. It's a lot of time in Burbank. It was a lot of time in Studio City, a lot of time in Burbank. I had my fill of LA traffic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to meet some awesome people and that's great. And there's like, there's a handful of really amazing folks that I still keep in touch with. Um, but for the most part, it was definitely one of those things where it's like, people be like, what was your favorite part about the voice? And I'm like spending summer in LA and not in the 102 humidity mm-hmm. in Oklahoma city. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's I would true. get off the plane and it was like getting hit by a hot pillow in the face. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Oh <laughs> yeah. God. Oh I it, to, was, it was was
1: yeah. gross.
0: I'm glad I have a break from that. <laughs> I used to get
1: that when I came back from Denver and I would always tell people I was like it's just so oppressive. And they'd be like, "Come on, you can't tell
2: that big of a difference." I'm like, "Yeah,
1: you really can. You can't
2: dry yeah. dry temperatures mm-hmm. to not dry temperatures mm-hmm. is a world of difference." Mm-hmm. You know? Very true.
0: Well, I will admit, I don't actually watch The Voice, but I watched your clips, so and I was really I proud of you.
2: I have it? never watched The Voice Chase, I've
1: still never seen a show. I
0: don't really watch a lot of TV. Nothing personal, I just I've
2: never it. seen one. I, I watched the episodes that I was on, and then I stopped. <laughs> 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 that was it. I had never watched it before, and I've never watched it since then. <laughs> Except for one episode that my friend Natalie, who didn't make it on season 9, went out and made it on season 10. Oh, cool. cool. So I watched her episode. Um, but, like... I have, I can't tell you how many people are like, what's Blake Shelton like? I'm like, I don't know, never met the guy. And they'll be like, who do you think's going to win this season? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't watch that show. I don't know anything about it. You know, it's almost like maybe you loved a restaurant and then you work there. And afterwards, you just don't ever want to eat there again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, except I didn't ever really eat at that restaurant beforehand what, you an, know?
0: what an interesting experience though and it sounds like you obviously because you're a great person and are cool and you have you had a good uh, perspective on the whole experience while you were there and you know i mean it's just it's cool it was
2: it was cool and it was it was definitely one of those things where it's like i think the the thing that i learned is that i i just don't ever really compromise who i am in any situation, so there were times we'd be filming and they would ask me a question. They want to elicit like a an emotional response out of you, yeah. and they would be like, "Okay, let me ask you again. Like, really, like, really, like, tell me how you feel." I'm like, "I told you, I, how just, I, feel. I just, I just, I just did you that." You're like, yeah. "I'm the
0: flatline personality." Remember? Mm-hmm. I'm really- <laughs>
2: yeah, I want to be like, "I'm not crazy. I'm sorry. You should have picked somebody who peaked <laughs> yeah. more in the average. I guess <laughs> a little
1: closer to the Amy Winehouse numbers, right?" <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs>
2: Look close to the Amy Winehouse numbers right now. You are at Michael Buble. You're going there around Chris Christopherson. We're going to yeah. need you to dial it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's like you need Johnny Cash in his prime. and You're looking at Willie Nelson after a bowl. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: But isn't that the, I think that's the ultimate is, you know, you go through these experiences and that is a really, you know, unique you know experience but that mm-hmm. you do know that about yourself you 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 have a, a center to yourself and and you feel solid enough in yourself to know what you don't want to compromise and you know
2: yeah I it, you know it was definitely and I think there were a lot of a lot of takeaways from it for me I mean one of them was I just kind of realized that I'm not really into the whole fame thing mm-hmm. um people are just so terrible
1: mm-hmm. uh
2: on any form of social media or online thing. And so it's like, I've never watched my YouTube videos because there are just comments of people who don't know me, but it's like when you hit this certain level, all of a sudden you become like a product and, and your humanity kind of goes out the window. So that part I really hate. Yeah. Um, I hated how, when I came back from the voice, everyone was my best friend And now it's like, well, where are you guys now? Like, why don't you ever come to shows, you jackasses? You know, it's like. So it was like I. I really learned. uh, To just kind of like stick to myself. I know that sounds kind of lonerish.
0: No, I mean,
2: but you know, because I am not a cynic, but there is a certain level. and I'm not like super distrustful of people either, um, which I guess is what a cynic is, but there is a certain level of like self protection that you have to have because there are people who like, after that people were trying to like take advantage of me and they were like, hey, one person sent me an email and asked me to play their company Christmas party. Asked if if me and my band could play the company Christmas party and I go, it was some company in Norman. And at that point I just, come off the voice Mm -hmm. so it's like yeah my financial numbers went up hell yeah i'm getting pressed like crazy right now yeah Yeah, i'm that is sure that's flexing i'm about Mm -hmm. to do it's
0: a good business move
2: absolutely Mm -hmm. uh you'd be a fool not to i think you know Mm -hmm. and so these people send me this email and she goes uh she's like how much would it be for you guys to play our company christmas party and i said it depends on the length how long of a set And she said, uh, a couple hours with a break in between. And I said, $1,000. Um... Because it's also a five-piece band playing mm-hmm. two hours of music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It
0: goes fast. I mean, it, yeah. it goes like, really fast. There's
2: yeah, and it, and it's Christmas time. Yeah, like when you're a broke musician around Christmas time, it sucks because you want to be able to buy gifts for the people you love, and you're like, well, I'm a broke. I guess I'm making stuff this year, you know. Yeah. So it's like you want to be able to treat your band guys, right? And I was like a thousand dollars, and I go, well, let me ask you this: Do you guys want covers? I said, yeah. I said well, then it's going to be more. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's a level. lot of learning to do yeah. right. as a band. And we did play an event for Big Brothers Big Sister for, I think it was 1000 to $1,200. And it was like a big gala thing at, for them and uh, down at the Chevy Event Center. And that was fine. We did some covers and we did a bunch of originals. But these people wanted strictly covers. Really? Why? Yeah. And I just said, and and I said a $1,000. But they weren't okay with a thousand dollars. They were like, "Well, our budget is our budget is uh, three to 400 hundred." I was well, said, it's maybe "You Noelle. should
1: call somebody else." And I was
2: like, "Well, I can play solo for that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, well, we want a band and a cover band, and I was like, "To be honest with you, I don't know a single cover band that's going to come in and play for three to four hundred dollars for for a, two hours." For two hours, I go. However, here are your options: you can hire a DJ, or you can plug in an iPod. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: That's right. Good for you. And I, Chase, I actually like that you are visiting the number, you know, topic because I think it, that's kind of on my end when I help like venues book or help, you know, people book their events. Um, and I'll do that randomly just if people need that. But, um, it is, there's an educational process in that for Mm -hmm. clients of, you know, and you know, I've I've done the same thing. Of well, we only have three hundred dollars. I'm like, well, that'll get you a solo person. So, I mean, yeah. my kind of rule of thumb is it's like it's starting at a hundred dollars per person per hour. Yeah. And so yep. per bandmate per hour, yeah. that's starting. That's your bottom. And because people also don't think about teardown and setup, and you know, the
2: rehearsals that, beforehand. That's right. All of that, you know, and especially
0: if you're learning covers, about how mm-hmm. much time that takes. And so, I mean, that's kind of the rule of thumb. And I'm so I'm glad you're actually bringing it up because a lot of people, and a lot of people don't know, they go, well, we don't really know this kind of thing so we are saying it right now on the podcast like that's your starting number
2: when people ask me to play solo stuff depending on what it is um if i have to bring the pa that's i bill that as a separate number but for my solo stuff um if it's a multi-hour thing if it's a one-hour thing i say 150 bucks
0: that's right so that's a
2: cheap and it's not cheap for, for one hour. I'll say 150 bucks, $100 per hour. After that, if I have to bring the PA, it's an additional $75 per hour.
0: Right. And I think that's good to mention too. So a lot of places don't think of that or people don't think of that of the PA system. Mm-hmm. They just assume, oh, well, the artist just towed it along. Well, for a full band, I mean, that's even, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much work. It's a lot of gear. And even for a solo artist, I mean, you have to pay for them to bring their PA if you yeah. don't provide a PA. Yeah.
2: it's a, You have to kind of compartmentalize things to Me, it's smart to run your sound as one business and your music as another. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, Which is why it's like, yeah, I can bring a PA. That's seventy five additional. That's you know, but to me, well, what I would do is I'd say it's a hundred dollars up front for the PA, Mm -hmm. and it's seventy five dollars per hour the PA is in use.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And the hundred dollars goes into the amount of time and like breaking it down, loading it, Mm -hmm. setting everything up, running it. Mm -hmm. Because if you have to run your own sound too, that kind of sucks. So it's like, it's one of those deals where. And it's hard these days because all art forms are taken for granted. Every single medium of art, every single one is taken for granted. So like people don't want to pay for music anymore. Um, Even music services don't want to pay for music anymore. You know, i.e., Apple Music and Spotify. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, iTunes takes 33% of your sales. Mm -hmm. That's insane to me yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. you know uh plus processing fees and all that and by the time everything lands in your paypal then paypal takes a cut and all this mm-hmm. stuff so you don't as a musician you don't make any money anyways no you know i got a check i got a check once from spotify for like a dollar 16 and it was one of those deals where it's like i just like threw it away you know it's like yeah. don't insult me you know um but at the same time, if you as a, as an artist of, of any type, if you don't put value on yourself, nobody will put value on you. you that's know?
0: right, and that's why I think it's so important to have you as a voice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unintended, um, you know, for other artists because you are a very seasoned artist. You're a veteran artist here in Oklahoma City, and you've obviously gained national, you know, fame and exposure. But it's like I think you're a really good person to say exactly what you just said of setting a standard and setting a bar for everybody as artists. And that, and that, again, it educates clients and it educates, you know, people of what really goes into this. And I'm also a big hospitality girl as, as far as like educating clients on, okay, if you're going to have the band play three hours, load in, load out, I mean, they're there for five hours Mm -hmm. and you're not going to give them anything to eat or drink. I mean, that's to, to pay for a meal for a five member band that already you know like that wipes should out. be no problem yeah I and mean, it's people it, what's, don't think about it.
2: what's crazy to me too is like venues who will be like well we can't pay you but we'll uh they'll be like we'll give you a case of beer and you get half off well drinks and i'm like that case of beer is pbr you got 30 beers for 13 dollars at <laughs> homeland yeah. and you're giving them half off like McCormick's Vodka (laughs) drinks. Like, give them free drinks. Give them good drinks. Like, it's the... Because your cost is so low anyways as the bar, and you could have it as a tax write-off. Just, like, just do it. Just... If they're, if they're going to play for no money, that means they're going to be miserable. At least let them drink for free <laughs> exactly. in that misery. <laughs> you know.
0: Well, and also, I mean, a lot of the events I've worked with, we talk about um, how you want to take care of your artist. You want artists to walk away with a good taste in their mouth mm-hmm. um, because that promotes your event. And it, yeah. it just continues to like breed good... Um, business around your event absolutely around your brand
2: absolutely i don't work if i've had a bad experience with someone i don't work with them again
0: right absolutely and you You don't i mean and people who talk to you know that you did not have a good experience
2: and there have been i mean there are there are there have been you know promoters in oklahoma city who have been fired from jobs for taking money from bands Mm -hmm. and now every artist i know will never work with that person
0: yeah absolutely you know
2: and it's like I'm not saying you have to be some some like altruistic saint and and never take a piece of the pie for yourself because the thing is, realistically, if you don't make any money yourself, then you're not going to be able to afford to keep doing it.
0: Right. It has to be sustainable.
2: Right. But there has to be integrity involved. And so it's like if... And the other thing, too, is a lot of promoters try to walk out on contracts. And it's like, no, 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 no. That is a legally binding contract. And if you have to come out of pocket for it, you have to come out of pocket for it. Otherwise, you're going to have a lawsuit.
0: Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And I mean, and that's part of where, you know, it's, you know, seller door is obviously a huge passion project. But we last year um, when we were doing um, some bookings for you know clients and stuff like that, it looked like we were a booking agency, mm-hmm. right? And like we represented artists. And so it was, you know, I had a couple artists reach out and be like, you know, we're not in contract with you. I'm like, no, 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 we're not a booking agency. Right. And like, my whole we thing did, is- we
2: had you on a, sh- a single show.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're not. We're not, not <laughs>
2: married. You're like. You're like. Listen, it was one day We didn't even kiss at the end. Why are you freaking out that I didn't call you back?
0: Like- and they were like skeptical. I'm like, um, I'm like, man. Look at our bank account. I promise, we do not make any money. Like, we're not making money off artists. We're not. I mean, really, it's like it really. I mean, there is again, it's a passion project, and Mm -hmm. there's a pro to that because, especially for our podcast, you know, we don't have to say, oh, we like. We really like Downey you know like sheets like softener I would, because I would dump the we,
1: shit out of some downy dryer sheets. <laughs>
0: I mean <laughs> if
2: they wanted to throw me $1,000 next week like this week's podcast brought to week you on by Topo sounds. Chico, you know. Well,
0: there are some companies like Topo Chico who we would love to promote <laughs> yeah. if they want to sponsor us. But we don't have you, to. they like, can't
2: hear me but I'm winking
1: right now. We're still in <laughs> some pretty hardcore <laughs> negotiations on beer still.
0: That's right. We're kind of <laughs> Which
1: is why the beer fridge is noticeably empty again. But soon <laughs> we will be pimping some beer. We well, don't know what kind.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's nice to be able to stay authentic, though, and especially mm-hmm. with our blog and Evan Jarvis. Mm-hmm. You know, that was something he and I have talked about is there's like a thin line of like when people... um, So, you know, there's a lot of blogs out there that you pay, like artists pay to get write-ups, right? And that's their yeah, business model. I got
2: hit up by a by a publicist mm-hmm. in LA and they wanted to work with me. And it's like, yeah, this would be great. And it's like it's still a gamble because they'll they'll send out your press release and all this stuff to all these people, and it's still a gamble whether or not you're gonna get in these magazines. Yeah. But it's three thousand dollars a month. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, <gasps> I'll just go find a cash machine. Yeah, I don't know if I've uh, ever made three thousand dollars in a month. I have absolutely not ever made three thousand no. dollars <laughs> in a well, single month.
0: I know. I guess we are in the wrong profession. Like that's
3: yeah. Oh my god.
0: Well, and I'm thinking like, you know, if I'm going to pay somebody to, I mean, not like that's kind of, I don't, I don't do that business model. That's not a good fit for us. And Mm -hmm. that's not a good fit for me as an artist, because I'm thinking like, if I'm going to pay somebody to write up against, I mean, like, what is that? There's like leverage. I mean, it's not leverage, but it's, it feels weird to me if if I'm paying somebody. I get hit up
1: like that. There's, um, I've been hit up like that with the shop, uh, like magazines and uh, TV shows and stuff that are like, well, if you pay us extra or, or $900, we'll do a a mm-hmm. story on you. And I was like, well... A story could just, for who? You just call up, you know, Greg at the Gazette and be like, hey, man, you want to talk about Spice? <laughs> right.
2: You know, that type of stuff. That's the thing, too, is it's like, ultimately, it's like the majority of all press that I have ever got in my life came from me making emails and phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it. And it was like... Oh,
1: when I opened the shop, we got all these uh, articles and everything on all the paper. Twitter. I mean, mm-hmm. I would follow people on in media. If I could get them to follow me back, I'd ask them to have coffee with me, and we'd tell them the idea of the shop. And I got, I was in all kinds of publications. Mm-hmm. Dave Cathy walked in the door and said, I'm not going to write about you until you've been open for at least three or four months because you won't be able to handle it. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, the business. He's like, your business needs to be more established before I'll write a piece on you. But I will write on you. you know." And, oh, wow. and it was all through Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that's
0: and is there an honesty when you're being paid to write about somebody? I mean, right? is well, that part of you? No, that holds it's just sugar
2: coated bullshit at that point. I think yeah. you mm-hmm. know, um,
0: and that's why I mean, that's why I love Evan Jarvix is he is able to be candid, he's able to be honest, and mm-hmm. it doesn't you know it's it's and like. Art is in the eye of the beholder. Like, Absolutely. music's in the eye of the beholder. It doesn't totally. mean, like, if I don't, you know, I might like an album that Evan doesn't like or he might like one that I don't mm-hmm. like. So
2: oh, and everything is just so subjective and relative. Well, though. it's like yeah. I tell people
1: in the shop, people say there's no accounting for taste as kind of a negative thing, but it's not really a negative. Mm-hmm. You can't account for what your personal tastes are, whether it be music or food or whatever. Yeah. It's just there are people that can express their tastes mm-hmm. Um very eloquently like Evan does right? Um, or, you know, any, you know, food editor or whatever. You know, I disagree with Greg on half the restaurants he reviews anyway, but it's, you know, somebody has a voice that they're telling the best they can the way that either a song or food or whatever mm-hmm. presented. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's just kind of the way everything is.
2: And I think that's why it's important too for a lot of people to take, take everything with a grain of salt, you know, yeah. um, because it's like, they're definitely, I mean, You don't really, you don't see it too often, but there, I've read a few things here and there where like someone in a local newspaper, whether it be like Gazette or Look at OKC or something, has like laid into a local band's album review a little harsh,
3: Mm -hmm. you know? Mm
2: -hmm. And if you're the, if they're slinging insults at you, it's one thing. That's just bad journalism. Yeah, that's tacky. Mm -hmm. But if they're like saying some things like, I think that this has a, like you know this band has a lot of promise but it seems like this is just missing a few things mm-hmm. that's just them being objective to what it is mm-hmm. and but there i've seen a few i've seen some blows taken and then i've seen bands react on social media i'm like
3: don't do that man just like don't mm-mm, mm-mm,
2: don't please don't because yeah. then people are going to be like well you guys are assholes you know yeah it's like
1: when i, when I first opened the shop and julie scott told me, she was like, it is your job to be sweetness and light to every other small business in this town. Mm -hmm. If you have a bad experience at a restaurant or something, or if somebody gives you a bad review on Yelp, she's like, write something down. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you still feel like posting it the next day, then by all means, go right ahead. But I guarantee you, 90% of the time, you're going to be like, "Mm, probably shouldn't do that. Just kind of let it go.
2: I have had a lot of tweet and deletes. Yeah, yeah I've deleted a lot of tweets. Before. I've also had a, I've had a lot of type it out and not even tweet it yet, and just be like, Mm-mm, mm-hmm. mm, yeah. Mm. I let it
1: sit. Since Julie told me that, I'll let them sit in drafts till over overnight on emails and stuff, mm-hmm. and I'll look at them the next day. i be like, oh, that was kind of an that's asshole.
2: That's why so. generally I just go find that person and beat the hell out of them. Yeah, I'm just that's <laughs> always the best way. I just go find that person, curb check them. Mm-hmm, that was not
0: in your psyche valve.
2: No, didn't see that one coming, okay, the, did the, you, the, did the, you? Wow. Chicago? <laughs> you
0: totally beat. That. That. <laughs> they beat the system chase.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where I mean, you have to you just I think with with art specifically ultimately any medium of art is a journey of true art, of true art. Yeah. Not not of like a Taylor Swift kind of art, not of a commercial <laughs> art. I'm talking of true and And yes, at some point, all art is commercial. I get that. But what I'm saying is of like true art, ultimately, it is a journey of, of self-discovery and self-identification. That's why you have these songwriters and these bands that as their career grows, they learn new things about themselves on every new album they put out. Or like how you have a painter who paints something when he's young and he paints something when he's different and they're completely different. Pablo Picasso is a perfect example of that. I actually recently talked about him on something and how he did the self portrait when he was young and a self portrait when he was older. Mm -hmm. When he was young, it was much more like realistic looking, you know? And when he was older, it was way more like into the cubism thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's like your perception of yourself changes. And that's something that that you have to remind yourself, I think as an artist that ultimately at the end of the day, like, yes, they're going to be critics because you know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. you can't get away from that, but you have to be okay with yourself.
0: Absolutely. And I think it just you know? goes back to, I mean, I think our whole conversation is about authenticity and honesty in yourself and how, you know, and projecting that out. And it, it doesn't really matter what other people think or say or, you know, it's just being kind of true to yourself. And whether you're happy. yeah, Yeah. I
2: mean, you're not in charge of anybody else's happiness on this planet. Nobody else is in charge of your own, Yeah, you know? Mm -hmm. So you got to, like, just do what makes you – just go be yourself. Go do what makes you happy. If – I mean, obviously, don't be, like, a sociopath about it. If you're, like, a moral subjectivist (laughs) and you're, like, well, you know, putting – you know, putting baby puppies in my basement and watching them starve makes me happy. Leave me alone. You do what makes you happy, I'll do what makes me happy. It's like, no, 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 you are literally a psychopath. Yeah, that's <laughs> per me.
0: That's being harmful yeah. to Don't be harmful to anybody, puppies.
2: but do what makes you happy because you kinda have one go around this whole thing and, and and then that's kind of it, you know? And hopefully you can leave a positive legacy at the end of your life. Or you've at least discovered some amazing things about yourself and made some awesome relationships on the way and mm-hmm. had some really good whiskey too. There you
0: go. Do you guys think, because we're all in our 30s, do you guys think that um, 30s has brought some of that perspective and a little bit of personal empowerment? Um, do yes. I think you guys felt that way in your 20s. I, well, I, I mean,
1: the the male frontal lobe isn't fully developed till you're 25. Yeah. You know, so I've really only had a. I think 10 it years, more than just
2: my frontal lobe that yeah. one developed. I think I'm maybe asleep.
1: 10 years of <laughs> rational decision making right. under my belt, right. but no, I def- definitely feel like that. And I mean, I've definitely said, you know, you will get one spin on this ride a lot more often mm-hmm. since, since, uh, you know, turning 30, I suppose. I mean, I'm 36 now, and, um, I definitely, I mean, you know, and having a kid puts a whole nother perspective, oh, on, totally. that, I perspective totally on it, an additional perspective on it, but, um,
2: I mean, I don't have a kid, but yeah. I can totally understand. <laughs> it's I crazy. A, I have a couple plants.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And so far, they're not looking good. They're very. They're neat. not looking. So good. <laughs> but
2: no, it's it definitely provides,
1: and and that's not a bad thing. I don't think that aging. I think aging gets a a really hard rap but i'm i people ask me like every time you have your birthday oh you're 30 whatever now and
0: getting you're like, old
1: and i'm like i am a huge fan of my 30s or, like when i was in my 20s i had zero money i was living in shithole apartments like yeah. trying to pay rent every month and like now that i can like pay my bills on auto pay which is something i never right. thought would yeah. happen you know <laughs> and so i, I love it I, i'm a big fan of uh you know this time of life, actually,
2: I think I it's agree. it's it's crazy thinking back to my twenties because I almost feel like that was a different life. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know? I was in Denver, uh,
2: so it was like a I'm, different place too. Yeah, I'm only 32, and I feel like I was in my 30s by the time I hit 28. Yeah. To be honest with you, uh, and. I just was kind of over a lot of stuff. And the 20s, especially like your early 20s, especially is the time that you make mistakes and hope to God that you learn from them. Yeah,
1: it's your sex in the city phase.
2: <laughs> yeah, it totally <laughs> is. Yeah, except if you're in New I York, that's
0: when people you're that. yeah. you know? <laughs> that's right.
1: I always tell people that. I'm like, go, don't get married when you're 21 years old. It's your sex in the city phase. Go yeah. make stupid decisions in Denver.
2: Right, yeah. just go <laughs> Absolutely. do it. And so I think, I don't know, by the time I hit by the time I hit thirty, and now thirty-two, it's like I've been through some some very like heavy and emotional things in my life, both on the good and bad side of things. Yeah. And so, what happens is, in in your twenties, you're just—it's almost like you got a blindfold on, and you're just like running around like a bull in a china shop, you
1: mm-hmm. know?
3: Yeah.
1: And the other thing that provides a lot of perspective, Jason, you and I are kind of be on the same page with this too. Was uh, how old were you when your dad died?
2: I was 31, actually. 31. Yeah. I was
1: 29. Yeah. And so, like, having your father, he was such a huge influence. I'm sure yours yeah. was as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, my dad totally. was the greatest, I mean... That's Superman. Absolutely. absolutely yeah. 100% Superman, greatest guy in the world, best friend, mentor, everything to me. Having th- that person not be there anymore, whenever you're... Yeah, you know, I was... Actively single and like trying to figure anything out, and I mean, I remember picking up my phone months after he died to call him. Yeah, you know? I've
2: I have definitely like, done
1: that. Pick it up several dad. times, and then like, it's like, oh yeah, that phone that's disconnected, not going to do anything. Yeah. but that will that will be mm-hmm. a real reality. That's and I'm sure it's yeah, it really has, and that's well. something.
2: I mean, like you know, in the past, God, in the past year, I've been through so many ups and downs, and that definitely being. You know, like that and and a breakup and all this stuff. And and you just kind of start realizing, and it really hit me, where it was like, man, like, there, yeah, like, there is some really sad shit going on in my life right now. But I just kind of woke up one day, and it was like a godsmack. And I think that's kind of what the breakup was for me, where it was like, I was letting the death of my father really take the reins. Yeah. Um,
1: I had the same experience. Yeah.
2: Exact same thing. It just, and it sucks, because it, it feels like, you feel like you're just getting like you just got a, a breath of air and then life punches you in the stomach and knocks it out again yeah. but eventually what happens is you you do learn to breathe again and i just kind of woke up one day and i was like you know what like instead of sitting there and saying of course like what i determined is you're always going to miss them mm-hmm. that is a thing that'll just never go away yeah but i can think of him and rejoice yeah. And in these like this time that I had and how great of a guy he was and yeah. all these things I learned, and all these memories I have. And then also I can rejoice. Like I still get this thing. I told this to my mom the other day. So my dad and I camped in Colorado every summer and I was a huge, I've always loved the mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a tattoo of one of the ranges we used to camp on. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, these like kind of recent cold fronts we've been getting in. Mm-hmm. And it's like coming straight out of Colorado. Yeah. And yeah. so I'll walk out in the morning for my morning coffee. I'll sit on the back patio, and I'll just take this deep breath. And it smells it like it instantly sure. this because, you know, smell and memory is so directly Absolutely, connected. Yeah. So I'll instantly have these memory flashbacks. Mm-hmm. In my way, that's like almost my dad kind of saying yeah. like, hey, what's up? Yeah.
1: You know, that's how it is every time it rains. Time yeah, it was a farmer his whole life. And it's been crazy how many times I realize major life events, how often it rains. And it, it always just makes me think like that's dad. Yeah, there he is, just excited about what's going on in my life. Have you had the day yet that you realize at the end of the day you haven't thought about your dad yet?
2: I have. Um, that
1: was a real wake up call for me.
2: I have, and it was it was because then it was like I didn't think of him that day, but the next day I woke up and was like, I need. I instantly thought like Realized. I need to go see him at the yeah. cemetery. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my dad. The other thing, though, is my dad lived in Grove, Oklahoma, for the last few years of his life, and so uh, it Grove is three hours away, and a three hour mm-hmm. drive is just enough of a commitment to make it hard. Because yeah. if you were to go there and back, that's six hours a day. In the day mm-hmm. That's the major. That's a huge chunk of your day. So it made it hard to be able to do that with work and shows and then I have a church gig on Sundays and all this stuff. And it's like by being a struggling musician and living to paycheck to paycheck, I had to be very frugal with my time. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't get to see him as often as I wanted, but we talked all the time. And I think because I didn't get to see him and because I'm a pretty busy person uh, in general uh, with activities and stuff going on, there were a lot of times back when he was still alive that I wouldn't necessarily think about him during the day because I'd be so busy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after he died, I definitely like, obviously you you just kind of think about him and you mull over like every single scenario that you possibly can. You turn it into mush inside your brain. And then, and then I just woke up one day and was like, I had a hell of a dad Mm -hmm. and, and he was awesome. And, Mm -hmm. and he, he never once discouraged music with me, Mm -hmm. which is so, Strange to think because when you're a teenager especially in a place like Oklahoma a lot of parents have a tendency to be like you're going to this school you're going to study this subject you need to go into oil and gas you got to be yeah. a doctor blah blah yeah. blah and they try to like tell you what you need to do but what you need to do and what your parents should do is find what you're interested in mm-hmm. and like water that seed yeah. and my dad always did that and that's yeah. what was so awesome and so um, and that was
1: the same way but with farming you know I remember having a serious breakdown one time when I was in high school like Why am I going to go to college? Like, why am I even doing this? I'm just going to have to come back here and run the farm because you can't run the farm when you're Mm -hmm. old. And dad and mom both sat me down because I was really freaked out about it. And we're like, look, too many farm kids have had to do that. And we want you to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Like, you go make your own way. And I mean, even to the point that when I was in Denver, unemployed, Riding a motorcycle back and forth across the country, doing nothing. Dad was like, "I'm so proud of you." Yeah, I was like, "How can you? No, I am not proud of me." You just, Are you sure? Would you just tell me how worthless I am? Yeah. Come on, Dad. But, but no, that's that's you're very very fortunate, and that's fantastic to yeah. have that kind of connection. I, I think I that's the, the that
2: right there is the hardest. The, that's the one thing and the hardest thing that I feel like I've had to deal with the most is my dad was so proud of me and my work with music and my dedication to it. And he told, I mean, he bragged to everybody about mm-hmm. it, you know, his son that was on the voice and all this stuff. And he was, so he was always really supportive and, and, and that was the one thing that every single person at his funeral was just like, your dad mm-hmm. was so proud of you. And so I really miss that because I always loved the look on my dad's face when I could tell that he was really proud of me. Mm-hmm. And I had this weird dream. It was actually, uh, it was this past Saturday night. So I'd gone through all of Norm Music Festival. Um, and Saturday night, I had this dream that I was back at Sooner Theater playing. Oh. And I looked out, and my dad was in the audience with a big smile on oh, his face. Cool. And then I woke up on Sunday and went to church. And it was it was a good dream, but it was a sad dream at the same time, mm. very melancholy. Yeah. But it was one of those dreams that takes you like a solid three, four hours to get over. Yeah. So my whole morning, yeah. I was just like... Like a little amoeba yeah. just floating around like, but kind of not he was like, there.
1: Yeah. And, and and it it, was like so Elven weird. in Dreams, how you'll see your dad and, and and it won't register in the dream that there's something wrong. Yeah. There for a while. But then here just in the last I mean it's been six, seven years since Dad died, just here recently I can be conscious of it when I'm in a dream that it's weird that dad's here because dad's dead. You right. Know, it totally. Yeah. Know, it's strange.
0: I'm a I'm a big believer though in in the power of dreams. So you know mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of crazy dreams and things that go in and out, but you know those ones that just like you were saying, you wake up yeah. from and it's something. It's mm-hmm. I do. I'm a believer. I'm yeah. Like, that is sure. something. And you know I don't feel like we just disappear. So it's like in some way our loved ones I feel like can give us. Well, oh, I mean, totally. and,
1: somebody told me right after Dad died, and it's really out there, but I mean, it's like first law of thermodynamics or whatever energy. Can either be created oh, or destroyed. First law of physics. Yeah. You know, energy, energy can never be created that's or destroyed. What, uh, and that's so what that Einstein energy, was working on. Yeah. His deathbed. So that energy from my dad, your dad, everybody mm-hmm. that's gone before, it's still there. It goes. It's still it's there. There. It's, it's there, and there hadn't somewhere. It just disappeared. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, for some reason, that was super comforting to me.
3: Oh
2: like right yeah. Uh, yeah I've kind of after my after I lost my grandpa, who I was really close to in 2012, uh, and he died of Alzheimer's, and I took over his duties to like you know. Sat with him every Tuesday and Thursday. I mowed the lawn. I fixed the fence. I put up the Christmas lights. I helped him open his Christmas presents. I mean, that I took over all of his mm-hmm. stuff, and um, something that I kind of like. I that was when I really because I had already, I had known that I had watched a documentary on Einstein years prior to that, but him saying like on his deathbed, his last kind of thing that he was mm-hmm. really working on was proving. Well, like the existence of the, the the physical soul of a man, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so after Papa died, that's something that I really thought about. I was like, well, he's got he's somewhere, yeah. you know, he's somewhere, and that's that's the pride that I have. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and that's a comforting thought to me. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I always think to pay attention to your dreams sure. and pay attention mm-hmm. to those, whether it doesn't matter if you're religious or not, but I like the term divine weeks through your sure. day of like those things in your day that they, they're just not coincidences. Yeah. You know, the
2: random North breeze that smells like when I was a camp, like camping or when yeah. the rain comes, that rain. sort of thing. And you yeah. have that, Yep. That trigger. Mm -hmm. And you
0: can go through life being like, Oh, it means nothing. Or you can go through life thinking it means something and how much that changes. yeah, And how how
1: much that makes your life better. I mean, and is is it, even if it doesn't mean anything, is that, kind of so bad if and you associate exactly it hasn't dad. done any damage yeah, to right? that's you. right
0: and who's to say it doesn't i mean mm-hmm. who is it you know it's like so i'm a believer in it does absolutely i feel like we could change the world right now absolutely guys i mean <laughs> we could do like an extended <laughs> like two or three extended episodes <laughs> sure <laughs> we can make this like a five-hour podcast <laughs> i got nothing to do about everything and anything under the sun Yeah, I love sure. it like, it's great. This it's is the best. These, are the, these are the episodes I thrive off of. Sure, yeah, I I've love got a this few. Stuff. I do too, and I love when people are able to talk about things that um, you know people don't tell you about losing your parents. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, they don't. Well,
2: that's the thing. You're not going to see it coming. No, mm-hmm. it just kind of happens, and you're like, oh, well, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And the thing about two, it's it start. I think it starts when you start losing your grandparents that you're close to, but it can mm-hmm. happen with your parents. Your first taste of mortality is weird. Yeah, well, yeah. It yeah. took me after Pawpaw died. It took me years to like not be a basket case yeah. in certain situations. And then, you know, of course when dad, but like I've been able to sooner than like come to this point sooner than I did when Papa died um, about like managing my emotions better. Yeah. You know, you still have your nights where you're just like
3: son of a bitch,
2: you know, I'm just like freaking out and it hurts. Mm-hmm. But, but then you, you come out of it because you, you become consciously aware of, of who you are more, I think after you've, you've seen mortality. Sure. Yeah.
0: And, and your emotions are a part of you, but they not, they're not all of you and right. they are, you know, it's not your whole makeup.
2: At least I think my emotions are part of me. According to that test, they're like <laughs>
0: barely, even barely even a part of you. Barely even there. <laughs> I'm
2: just like, thank you so much for coming to <laughs> the mm-hmm. show tonight. Like how? Just, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. 2001, I'm like hello, Dave, you know, <laughs> Day-Z. <laughs> Day-Z.
0: Well, I guess we could play some music tonight. Yeah, I mean, let's anyway, play some
2: rock
1: tunes. Again, we yeah, I wish it was a I'm rock sure.
0: tune. What are you playing for us tonight?
2: Um, this is actually one I finished earlier today. I know you did. Oh, cool. read this earlier today. So wonder, so we're, like, caught the off the presses. Like yeah. Uh, in fact, I haven't actually played it all the way through yet. Um, yeah, we we'll see what
0: happens. Are you going to play one or two songs for us?
2: Uh, I can play a couple. I'll just, I will can do this one, and then what I'll do is retune.
0: Okay, yeah. um,
2: just freestyle after that.
0: Tell um everybody where they can find you on web and social media.
2: Uh, I, uh Instagram and Twitter. It's just at Chase Kirby, and that's K-E-R-B-Y, not K-I. Um, Facebook is just Facebook.com slash Chase Kirby music. And then chaseKirby.com. Cool. Perfect. So and that's and there's links to everything on the website itself, uh, which I need to get better about updating as far as shows and everything are concerned, but also Ain't nobody got time for that. I know. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I do. I just need to spend 20 minutes every week to do it.
0: (laughs) Well, you can find Grounded Sounds at Grounded Sounds on Twitter and Instagram and Grounded Sounds OK on Facebook. And up next, we have Chase Kirk. Level it out.
3: Try to find your makers Who of them would say Better say nothing at all Faint heart never won Something for a taker Take what you can get, yeah Try to find flight in the fall keep saying I can wait all day It's better than what happened before What I don't want to see The frames are facing downward Can you water the plants? Take care of them at least while I'm gone And enjoy your name, enjoy your name Oh mine you got lost in the fire. your name, oh enjoy your name, oh enjoy your name, cause neither of us are walking away.
2: I haven't done an alternative tuning song since I was like seventeen or eighteen. I don't know. That got that that one got written about 145 today. Yeah, by the it'll be interesting because now there's record of it, of its first writing, so by the time it ends up on an actual recording, it'll be interesting to see how different it sounds. Cool. That's another newish one. From... about a month and a half ago, so...
3: But the angle, or oh, the light coming through the glass, it came on us so fast, we couldn't stop it. So we turned the tables, yeah, it's not for a lack of trying, it's just hard with a good thing dying right before you. Can you tell me that you're alright Can you tell me you're alright Can you tell me you're alright With a smile and a nod I won't bother you anymore I won't bother you anymore I won't bother you anymore I swear to God the future And he promised you the world he Said you're the only girl That he's got eyes for But he lacks attention Yeah, he's handsy when he's on the drink Oh, it's not the kind of life i think You had in mind But can you tell me that you're all right Can you tell me you're alright, can you tell me that you're alright, with a smile and a nod. Cause if he ever lays a hand on you, if he ever lays a hand on you, yeah, if he ever lays a hand on you, I swear to God. Funny how the time flies. Twenty years and two kids. Yes, yeah, she married that piece of shit anyway. But when you're lying awake at night. When you're lying awake at night. When you're lying awake, wondering what is. Well, it's never too late to know. It's never too late to know. It's never too late. Cause home is where the heart is. Thank you.